welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Thank you, Luke, for reading Scripture for us. We are going to be in Matthew 1 and in Romans 8. I want to say a belated happy Thanksgiving to you all. Um, how was your Thanksgiving? I know ours was much different. We're used to larger gatherings growing up. Uh, we gather with have a big extended family, a uh, big Chinese family, and so we'd have turkey, mashed potatoes, chicken chow mein, right? You all have chicken chow mein every year. And so no chicken chow mein this year, and no turkey this year. We actually, my, my daughter Avery made chicken pot pies. I think she's on to something, so the new tradition for Thanksgiving would be chicken pot pies. Um, but next year, we'll go big with uh, turkey, chicken pot pies, and the chicken chow mein. We'll get them all in next year. Uh, but if you're like me, it was sad. You know, that another event, another event was interrupted by, by COVID. And next year we'll have to celebrate, you know, a big, but we'll have to wait. That's Advent. It's waiting. It's waiting. And so um, Advent, which means coming or arrival, it dates back to the fourth century. These are the four Sundays before Christmas. And they teach us how to have hope amidst a lot of waiting. That will be our theme this next month. Now, my girls are growing vegetables in our, in our backyard. I'm excited to harvest uh, all that they've planted. They have lettuce and beets and rainbow shard, all wonderful things I'm, I like to cook. So love to have these fresh vegetables. But you know what I don't like? Waiting for it to grow. So, so I went on my app, my Amazon app, then Amazon bought Whole Foods, and I just click all the stuff that I can't immediately get. I add it to my cart, and in 30 minutes, they will pick everything for me, bag it for me, and then they'll put it in the back of my car. That's what they'll do. So I load it all up, hit checkout. This is on Tuesday. You know what it said? All time slots unavailable. I have to wait. I was thwarted once again. Denied. Advent tells us that life is filled with waiting. And so let me ask you, what are you waiting on? Maybe to see family and friends, right, like you haven't been able to. Maybe waiting for clarity about a decision, you're waiting. Maybe for a healing to happen, you're waiting. In fact, I have a friend in the hospital right now, my friend Michael Stafford, to put a picture on the screen for you. He'd be, if you'd be praying for him, he's unconscious in the hospital. He's my worship leader, my last church. Worked together for eight years and praying with his wife, Robin, and many others, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people for God to do a miracle and wake him up healthy. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my miracle. I'm waiting for a prayer to be answered. Maybe you're waiting for something. You bring something here today that no one knows you're waiting for. Well, God knows, and he's ready to hear from you. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough uh, in your life, a spiritual breakthrough in your spiritual life, a breakthrough for more faith, a breakthrough for more courage, and you're waiting. And so what Advent does, it, 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 it's meant to teach you how to wait, but also how to long for the right things. God wants to shape you this Advent season to want the right things, yet to wait and to long, but for the right things. God doesn't often work on our timetable, I'll forewarn you. And Advent teaches us that the biblical way to live life is to wait for Jesus and to wait with hope for him. And so what I want to do is take a look these next four weeks, actually. We're going to look in Matthew 1, 2, and 3 for the names of Jesus. Now, so in the first three chapters of Matthew, um, you'll see Jesus is given, or at least mentioned, three different names. Emmanuel, Nazarene, and Beloved. 
And we'll take a look at those names in the next few weeks, and we're going to reflect on these names. And we're going to see as we look at these names from Matthew 1, 2, and 3, we'll realize that God has an incredible gift for us in his son, Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is focus on today the most important name, Jesus Christ today. Matthew 1, 21. Scripture says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus was the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And lots of Jewish boys are named Joshua. There's no special name, really. And even today, there are millions of people named Jesus in the Spanish-speaking world. Hey, Zeus, hey, Zeus, right? So the name, it's a very common name, a very ordinary name. And the name back then would be like us today naming a boy, John or Jerry or Mike. So can you imagine singing this song? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jerry. It's sacrilegious, but it was a normal name, an ordinary name, but with a very special name purpose. Because when we hear Jesus, we hear something special, right? It's because of who he is. It's because of what he's done. It's his actions in his life. He lived out his prophetic call. So the angel tells Joseph, that's the context of this section. He says, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus's Hebrew name, Joshua, literally means Yahweh saves. Jesus is going to live into his name. And so this ordinary name, Jesus, takes on a prophetic tone, the way that we hear it when we sing his name. In Matthew 1.18, it says, Matthew records, now the birth of Jesus Christ happens this way. Matthew includes Jesus and Christ in this section. Now, in the Greek, it's spelled out. You don't have to write this down, but it's Jesus Christos in the Greek. Jesus Christos. Now, Christos in the Hebrew is Messiah, the anointed one, the king. And so when we say Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. It's his title. Okay? Now I'm learning how to golf. I'm not very good. I'm trying. A lot of you golf. I'm trying to hang out with you, so I'm trying to learn, right? So I've been pleasantly surprised, though, how many Christians are all are on the golf course. Because every time I go to the driving range or go on the golf course, at every hole, I hear Jesus. You know, we can say, right? I hear his name all the time. So many believers on the golf course. It's amazing. It's incredible. Amen, brother. I got you, brother. Amen, right? Jesus Christ is a title. It's not his first and last name. It's not a swear word. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the King but no ordinary king. For a very ordinary name, Jesus, not a very ordinary life. Jesus the king. Jesus says he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I want you to remember this about this king, this ordinary name, Jesus, with an extraordinary title that he lived into. This God who saves is a king who serves. This God who saves is a king who serves. That's Jesus' purpose. This is what Advent is all about. Now, I'm going to mention two threats to Advent, and then I'm going to close with a mention from Romans 8. So before we turn to Romans 8, I want to mention two primary threats to the gospel this Advent season. It's always a threat, no matter what season it is for the Christian. And it's these two words, consumerism, and sentimentalism. 
kind of a long word, that second one. Consumerism and sentimentalism. Now, what pastors have been observing, I've been seeing this for the last 10 years, reading articles about it, is that the true threat to Christianity is consumerism. Notice I didn't say capitalism. Some people you know, accused me of, you're a socialist or something. Like, no, no, not like against the American way or something like that. I'm just saying that we're in danger, though, of succumbing to consumerism. Very much in danger. More than liberalism, more than extremism, more than secularism, more than any other ism, I worry about consumerism. Why? Because we can make an idol out of something that can never satisfy. And the promise that consumerism is that you will be satisfied with stuff. Sometimes physical stuff. A new car. A Lexus with a bow on it. You'll be satisfied. Or it could be digital. You'll be satisfied with, with your, your new Facebook account. And people start liking the, the pictures of your Thanksgiving chicken chow mein, right? Right? That's what I long for. How many likes did I get, right? Could be physical, could be digital, could be emotional, could be relational. But if I had that, I'll be happy. We just spent four weeks uh, talking about Jesus and his, his uh, topic of money. Jesus loved to talk about money all the time. And the false promise of money, or mammon, as it's, as it's called in one section of Matthew, is that it tells you that if you have just a little bit more, you'll be happy. Just a little bit more. And that's the draw of consumerism. Just a little bit more. And you'll have it. You'll finally be satisfied. The problem is that consumers and threatens to subvert the call of Jesus by promising lasting happiness that can be found through stuff. But the reality is you cannot fill your eternal souls with something finite. You must have something that lasts. And Jesus is offering himself. You cannot fill your eternal souls with finite stuff. Digital finite stuff physical finite stuff, emotional finite stuff, whatever it is, it only can be Jesus. This God who came to save is a God who came to serve. He's come as a baby, Jesus, this Advent. Now, why don't you check out this advertisement that's on your screens right there or at home. It's cleverly positioned next to an elevator. And if you can't read the words on the lower part, it says, be born Again, but it isn't an invitation to know Christ. It's actually an advertisement for a plastic surgeon. And it's next to the elevator because when you push the button, you're touching the finger of God in order to be born again through this procedure. Just go to the third floor and we take payment plans. <laughs> be born again. But the problem is for eternal souls, it's hard to be satisfied with finite stuff. Are you hearing the call this Advent? Because consumerism would love for you to believe just a little bit more, a little bit of trim around my waist and I'll be just right. A little bit of this or a little bit of that, just a little bit more and I'll be happy. I'll be born again. You see, what consumerism does, it limits our vision because our imaginations are captivated by false promises, promises of transcendent joy if you get this procedure, promises of a sense of power or control if you finally attain that certain status, if you finally can list this as something on your resume. The promise to, that pleasures will fulfill you if you order this product. Buy three, get one free, right? If only if only. See, consumerism demands complete devotion. 
Consumerism, by definition, means you have to be dissatisfied by something in order for you to either consciously or unconsciously, because you need something new to consume. Consumerism, I've talked about it before. All of the products you buy are built to actually wear out. They purposely do it. Why? So that you'll have to buy a new one. I just got an update on my, like, my favorite app. It's uh, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's just an app that keeps notes and stuff. And they did this amazing update, and it doesn't work. It's the most frustrating thing, right? You got to keep updating. You got to keep up. It's like, just leave the old thing. Well, no, you need a new one. Consumerism. It's all built around us wanting a little bit more, something newer, something shinier, something different. It'll never be enough. See, Jesus was a baby given to us so that we could find lasting joy. This is Jesus the King. That's what his name means, Jesus Christ. The God who saves is a king who serves. That's Advent. Don't let consumerism steal the truth of what you really need. Your eternal being needs more than finite stuff. His name Jesus means salvation from our dead-end lives. And I promise you, no matter if you grew up in a good church or a Presbyterian church, no matter what ethnicity you are, no matter what country you were born into, it does not matter your socioeconomic level. All of us were headed for dead-end lives without Christ. And God saw our situation and said, I will come into your world. I will humble myself. I'll come as a baby born to die for you that you might say yes to his invitation. That's Advent, friends. Don't give in to consumerism. It'll tell you something else will satisfy. And Jesus says nothing else will. He came for our dead end lives. It was a rescue mission for you and for me. So let me ask you again, where are you longing for something? What are you waiting for? May Advent be a conscious choice for you this next season to long for the only one who can fill you overflowing. That's Advent. God is there waiting for you, for you to see that no amount of stuff, no amount of affirmation is enough. Only him, King Jesus, the one who came as a baby to live and to die for you. God has given us himself this Advent. He's our only hope. There's a second threat that I want to mention. Not only consumerism, but also we can, we can succumb to sentimentalization. Try to say that 10 times fast, right? Sentimentalization. God gave us a baby, but he never meant for us to keep him a baby. You know, it's funny, the last service, I mean, some people, when I preach, they fall asleep. That's fine. Okay, but I noticed everyone was looking over here. Like I kept, I was like, you know, digging in. People are getting saved left and right. I mean, it, I was going good, right? People kept looking over here. We had a bunch of hummingbirds, I guess, trying to eat nectar from our fake trees. <laughs> and everyone was watching. And someone came up to me and told me what was going on. She said, she said, even hummingbirds can go for something fake. And she was tying into the sermon. Don't get faked out by sentimentalism. Jesus came as a baby, but God never intended us to keep him a baby. He lived a life. He lived for you. He lived for me. He died on the cross. He rose again. That's what Advent's about. We remember he came as a baby, but God never meant us to keep him a baby. 
See, Christians today are in danger of romanticizing a baby Jesus in the manger so much that we sentimentalize the entire experience of Christmas. And so we make Christmas about gingerbread cookies, which I love. And we make Christmas about gathering our family around a table, which I hope to do. And we make Christmas about philanthropy, which is wonderful. I do all of these things, but that, that is not what Advent is about. It's about King Jesus. It's about a rescue mission. It's about our dead-end lives. It's about us being desperate for hope in a world that offers us fake stuff, beautiful stuff, but fake stuff that can never really fill your soul. You need Jesus. See, Advent is meant to reverse any of this kind of sentimentalization of Christmas. And so we're challenging Evan to think seriously about the implications of this person, Jesus, who claimed to be the central character in the entire Old Testament and who went on to be known as the Gospel of John opens in John chapter 1, that Jesus, the Christ, is the Word of God, God himself. What are we going to do with this ordinary named person, Jesus, who claimed to be a king like no other? What do you do with the baby who grew up and changed the course of history? What do you do with his claims that he would rise from the dead? What do you do with his exclusive self-identity as the way and the truth and the life? That's the Jesus we need to deal with and wrestle with this Advent. Don't over-sentimentalize Jesus. Was he crazy? Was he a great deceiver? Or was he who he said he was? God himself to, who came to give his life for you. Is that who he really is? Don't just keep him as a cute little baby in a manger. Oh, this was a rescue mission, people. He came and was born to live and to die for us on a cross. Will you live as if he really is king? See, as long as we sentimentalize Christmas, as long as we forget the real meaning of Advent, then we're in danger of not only missing the real meaning of Christmas, we're in danger of missing Christ this whole Advent season, no matter how many songs we sing. We can miss them all together. Pastor Max Lucado says this, God became one of us so we could become one with him. Advent, longing, waiting to be with Jesus. Oh, celebrating that he came and celebrating that we could be with him. Do you know him? Are you one with him? That's why he came. It's great you're singing great songs. It's wonderful we're making beautiful cookies and doing philanthropy, all good stuff. But he came that so you could be one with him. Does he feel near to you or far? Have you ever said yes to him? You ever admitted that you had a dead end life without Christ and you need to turn to him to have any hope? Not just for a life in the future, but a life now. Jesus, Yahweh saves the God who saves is a king who serves. Don't miss him. This is the real advent. See, this is Jesus the king. He didn't come to be consumed like a product or sentimentalized like a Hallmark movie, even though I love Hallmark movies. <laughs> it's not why he came. The God who saves is a king who serves. God gifted us his own son, Jesus, that we might find true life instead of being destined for eternal separation from the Father. It's a rescue mission. Advent is a battle for your soul. God himself is here. He's ready to speak into our lives. I hope you believe that. He notices that you're present. I hope this won't be the, the only Sunday that you'll join us either online or in person. 
to get to know this Jesus, this King. He wants to speak into our lives. He wants to reveal himself. So God's spirit is here to to search us, to to guide us, and to teach us. And I have the privilege of getting to share with you God's word to help you connect with this sovereign, this mysterious, and this all-loving God. This is my privilege. This God who wants to reveal himself to you this Advent in midst of all the presents and all the Hallmark movies we'll watch and all the different food we'll eat, he wants to reveal himself to you. Maybe for some of you for the first time, and for some of you, it'll be a coming home experience to really see Jesus the King. Don't settle as you shop for presents for just warm fuzzies this Christmas season. You might miss out on his actual presence while you shop. Don't forget him. What is your hope this Advent season? See, Paul points, I want to close with this in Romans 8, the true hope we can all hunger for the true hope we can all be waiting for. Romans 8.31, Paul says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, say with me, for us, for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God is for us. God is a great gift giver gives himself to you. The thing that you really need is him. There was a man named Keith, and you notice his friend used an unusual password for his phone. Whenever he unlocked his phone, he typed in the word pro-nobis. So Keith finally asked his friend, so what's that word pro-nobis? What's with that? And his friend shared, as he actually started choking up, he said, actually, very, a very tough time in my life. I realized that I had to make a decision. That it was after going through this deep personal pain, he learned the truth of Romans 8.31, that God is for us. His parents had divorced, and it led him down this path, I guess, in his life, where he said, God, you're either real and you don't care, or you're real and you've given up. Maybe it's not real at all. And he went through this tough season. He finally found hope through those two simple words, pro nobis, as he realized that God has sent his son because he, God, was for him. Pro nobis. That led the man eventually to give his life fully over to Christ. In the midst of his pain, to trust God that he is for us. I don't know what pain that you or someone you love is going through. But I'm here to proclaim from God's word that he is for us. It doesn't mean you won't go through pain. But in the midst of those dark times, he is for you, for us. And you have a choice this Advent to see this God who came to save as a God who wants to serve I'm so blessed that Martha Henry came, all the food that you've been sharing and some of you have been donating. On top of your tithe, you've been donating food and donating cash and helping us feed people every week, not just Thanksgiving. Weren't you blessed that Martha, she prays over every can. (laughs) She prays over every bag of beans, every roll of toilet paper that someone might know Christ. And people are coming to know Christ better, that God is for us. 
This king who came to save is a king who came to serve. Advent, get to know this king. Paul the, Paul the apostle says God's nature is to give and that this good God is truly for us pro noba. So he's a good gift giver. Don't miss as you're shopping for presents. Don't miss God's true gift himself this season. You know, if you take a look at Romans 8, 31 through 34 on your own later this week, you can see Paul says this amazing this whole book is amazing. We're going to have to teach through Romans at some point. Romans 8 is, is beautiful. Romans 8, 31 through 34, it says that the heart of God is to give us good things. We cannot be charged. We cannot be condemned. We cannot be separated from the love of God. So do you believe that God is for you? For any one of you who says, without Jesus, it's a dead end. I need to given my life to him, confess my sins, turn my life over to him, that he would be Lord. He would lead my entire life, every aspect of my life. Then you can know that God is for you. That's good news. This king who came to save is a king who came to serve. And even though he sees us in our sin, he chose to come near. Will you choose to reciprocate and come near to the Lord in this season? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a king who came to save, a king who came to serve. May we see you in your fullness, Lord, even as we struggle with dark things, struggle with unanswered prayers. We're waiting. We have longings, Lord. May we long for the right things. Lord, forgive us for being distracted by imposters, the imposter of consumerism, the imposter of sentimentalism. Lord, forgive us and help us direct our attention on you, the good king. Yahweh who saves, this good king who came as a baby on a rescue mission to rescue me, to rescue this world from the eternal separation that we are all destined, Lord. Without you, we have no hope. So thank you, Lord. Open our eyes, our hearts, our ears, our, our very spirits, Lord, to the truth of your nearness and your goodness as we turn our lives over to you. And it's in your name, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.